Yo, what is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bible with Bordeaux. Today we are doing the study of the Gospel of John. This is going to be part two. This is a study that we just started a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're going to be diving into John 1 verses 3 through 18, Lord willing. Um, so essentially I'm going to be, uh, I, I prepared to cover all of that, but if it seems like the time's kind of running out on us, I'm not going to drag this out longer than what it needs to be. I try to keep them down to about 20 minutes out of bear, um, kind of at the max if I can, if I can, without trying to cut something short. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about Jesus being kind of the light of the world. We're going to get an introduction of to John the Baptist, which is not the author of this gospel. Last time we did talk about the author, uh, the authorship of this being John, one of the disciples of Jesus, the brother of James, and one of the three that were always with Jesus during kind of the highs and the lows of Jesus's ministry. So <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and move along here. Uh, we're going to start off at verse three. This is John one, uh, chapter one, verse three, and I'm reading from the ESV. All things were made through him and without him. Oh, sorry. Okay, there we go. Now you can read with me. So let me start again. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him life was and the life was the light of men. In him was life. Sorry. And the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, <clears throat> the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So that is the scripture we're going to be diving into today. So uh, I, I do want to thank you for joining me. My name is Jason Bordeaux. I am the host of Bible with Bordeaux. I am a pastor, Bible teacher, and uh, I've been doing this online ministry for a little while now. I've got the study of James already up and going on the YouTube channel. And so you can go check that out if you want to. So let's go ahead and dive into this. So we get the idea here that everything that exists does so because of Jesus. Now, everything that we know and C came into existence through Jesus. Now, Paul mentions in Colossians 1, 15 through 16, he actually says, He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for him, or for by him, all things were created, and in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through and for him. So, 
So we also see the idea in Hebrews 1, 2. We can go there. It says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. And so those are two scriptures that kind of help point out the idea that everything was created through Jesus. Everything that exists, exists only because of Jesus. And um, everything kind of went through Jesus in one way or another. So uh, I don't know if it worked like a filter. I don't know how that looks really. It's a spiritual concept. Some spiritual concepts are hard to understand. It's hard to get a grasp of it. But everything cre created was created through Jesus. Now, and the, the other interesting thing too is it says all things that were, um, or is it that? It says that all things that were made, got to find it here real quick. Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? I'm sorry, I'm trying to find this particular scripture. So, ah, goodness. Everything that was made, that was made. Essentially, this is a scripture for showing that Jesus was not made. It's saying that everything was through him that was made. And so, Jesus was not made. He was not created. He has existed before all time. We talked about that in the last video. And, uh, and just FYI, I have a comment on that video that is a Jehovah Witness comment. So there's a lot of things on there. And so for, for me, I'm going to eventually do a response video to that Jehovah Witness because they, they misinterpret a lot of scriptures. And, uh, and so this is one of those things. It's actually verse 3 here. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So essentially, in short, Jesus was not made. Everything was made through Jesus. Now, one important idea in the Christian faith is that everything came in existence from the will of God. So nothing accidentally happened. Nobody accidentally happened. Everything was created from the will of God. And that means you were not a mistake. You were not an accident. Uh, you didn't pop up on God's radar out of the blue. He had a plan for you and has a plan for you. And you had to be created in Christ Jesus somehow. So no matter how we believe the process actually took place, the overall credit does go to God. Now, John uses the theme of light many times in this gospel account. Light is the source of continued life for many living organisms in our physical world. Jesus brought us life and light. Now, he creates life and sustains it, just as referenced in Colossians 1.17. So there... He says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so that's always kind of fascinated me, just knowing that Jesus, Jesus holds everything in his hands. He keeps everything going. He sustains everything, uh, which is just great to know that, you know, my existence isn't just around because of my biological makeup. My body isn't the only thing that is keeping me alive. It's Jesus keeping me alive. He sustains my life in his hands. And so I, that gives me a lot of comfort. And uh, I love the fact that I can depend on him and not my body to keep me alive. Now, the idea of life existing in Jesus can be a reference to our spiritual lives as well. When Christians are reborn, they are in Christ. Now, eternal life exists in Christ, so when people go from death to life, it's only because of the power of Jesus. Now, darkness is the absence of light, 
and is synonymous with death in certain areas of scripture. Light also represents true knowledge, moral purity, and the presence of God. So darkness and light is used a lot in this. So we'll kind of see those themes as they pop up throughout our, our study of the Gospel of John. Now, uh, God is often shown in the Old Testament as a, a major source of light. Now, it's interesting. When Moses talked with God on Mount Sinai, he came back down with a shining face and covered it with a veil. So here in Exodus 34:29, we see it says, Well, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of testimony in his hand. He came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Like a lot of times in scripture, God has different ways that he reveals himself to us. And one of those for Moses was that God came to him as a light of some sort. So Jesus being the light is a direct correlation with him also being the God of the old Testament. And we'll see that as we study this, that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. Jesus is Yahweh. He is the I Am. Now, verse 5 says that darkness has not overcome the light. If Jesus is the light and evil is darkness, Jesus will always win in any battle. It's impossible for darkness to overpower light. So in my office right now where I'm recording this video, there's no way for a piece of darkness to come in here and overshadow all the lights. Now, you can cover the light, and, I mean, you can't see my covering right now, but, yeah, the video is not really giving that clear. But, um, but darkness can't overcome light. It's just the absence of light. So, it's just an interesting concept that uh, darkness never wins over light. And so, that's kind of comforting to know as well, in the same way that Jesus sustains us. He's going to win any battle that exist in our lives and it's important for um it is impossible for that it's important for us to remember that when we are in jesus no enemy or principality can over overcome us as well now another understanding of verse five is that the darkness did not understand the light uh, so this is another way that some people understand the scripture if a person is dead in christ they will not understand him or his teachings they'll be um, they'll be ignorant to whatever he's saying. They will not be able to understand it, grab a hold of it. Now, those in the light will have truth and can have understanding. So, and in James, uh, we, he actually tells us in James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. So, uh, just in general, a lot of times darkness can stand for ignorance or not understanding or confusion and light can stand for clarity or truth or understanding in some way. So, uh, so that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. So going back to Genesis, <clears throat> the earth was dark and void and the light was introduced to bring the earth to life. So in the same way, John begins his gospel account with this same imagery with Jesus being the light of the world. Now, uh, here in verses six to eight, uh, we get an introduction of John the Baptist. Now, this is a different John than the author himself. So, and, and Baptist is not a denomination here in Scripture, but it's a function. That's what John did. So, John was a person who performed a water baptism for people. And uh, he is called a witness to the light, who is Jesus. 
Now, this is the first time mission is mentioned in this gospel, and it's a fitting theme of John since both the author and the Baptist are both sent as missionaries in their own respective right. So John is the same John talked about in the gospel of Luke who introduced John before his, uh, before his birth. So Luke actually talked about John uh, being birthed before Jesus, where he talked about him being in the womb of Elizabeth. So when Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to visit Elizabeth, the mother of John, John leapt in the mother's womb. Now, John tells us that John the Baptist came to hear witness to the light, but was not come to bear witness to the light, but was not the light himself. We see later that John even directs attention away from himself, uh, which is definitely something that we should be paying attention to. Uh, I'd say John is, is John the Baptist is one of my, at this point is becoming one of my favorite biblical characters during this uh, study that I was doing. Now here in uh, verses 9 through 13, Jesus came into the world and no one recognized him as the creator. Now, everyone on earth was in sin or darkness, so they did not recognize the image of light or Jesus. Now, even the Jews who had the Old Testament as a foreshadowing did not recognize the Messiah who had arrived. They did not receive him because they did not fit the, that he did not fit the idea that they created of Jesus, which was different from how the Old Testament really referred to him. So they created this, this image, this idea of what he was going to be. And for most people during that time, they were wanting a revolutionary of some sort. Now, that is, um, you know, we can often do that ourselves. We can often have this preconceived notion of what Jesus should look like, does look like, what he should do. Uh, what he would never do, what he should say, what he should never say. And then whenever we actually come across the words of Jesus or come across uh, the Bible, then we just write it off as what Jesus wouldn't have said. Jesus couldn't have meant that because he, Jesus would never say that. So we paint this false picture that fits our preference of what Jesus would, should, and could be. And, um, and then we're living in darkness uh, in that time. So... The word world is used about 78 times in this gospel and 15 times in the synoptic gospels. Now, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we talked about that in that first, uh, the first video. So just real quick, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in a lot of the stories that they have. John, the gospel of John is about 90% different from those gospels. So we call those three the synoptic gospels. Uh, and this is one of those issues where, you know, a big difference is they use it 15 times, where John uses it 78 times. Now, I think this helps show the emphasis that Jesus came so that everyone throughout the whole world can be saved. The whole world can be saved. Or everybody throughout the whole world can be saved if they believe in his name. Now, believe in is a special phrase that's used in John, and he uses it about 35 times. Uh, and it places emphasis on faith. So it's the faith that a person has in Jesus being the Christ is what saves them. Now, in verse 11, his own, the phrase his own is used twice. Now, the first use is referring to everything he created as in the earth itself and the things in it. The second use of it means his people. So the first use is, is neuter and the second use is masculine. Uh, talking in Greek terminology. So 
Now, when it says he gave the right to become children of God, the word right is sometimes used as power. Um, it means authority. So it's a legal term that was used a lot in the Gospel of Matthew to show Jesus's authority over and over and over again. Now, right can also insinuate the ability to become children of God. So the actual ability to do it. Uh, John gave them the ability through or God gave them the, the ability through Jesus the right to be children of God through faith alone. So those who are children of God are those who come under his authority. Now, uh, we'll see some mention of this throughout John. We'll see, uh, and he also talks about this in, uh, I think, First John and Second John, his other shorter letters. Now, we actually see Jesus later on, and uh, we're not going to dive into it real deep today, but later on in John, uh Jesus actually says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he says here, you are the father of the devil. And essentially what he's saying is whoever you obey in your actions is in that moment, the person you are recognizing as your father. So when you obey God, then you're looking at God as your father. If you're obeying Satan, then Satan is your father in that instance. And so whoever you obey, uh, because, you know, especially in that day and time where obedience was so, such a, a, a core tenet of, of, of being Jewish, you, you did what your father said. Now, nowadays, you know, even though we should probably push it more, but kids don't necessarily take everything that their parents say uh, very seriously. But back then they did. So when the father said something, they would listen. Uh, so whoever you listen to in sense is your father. Now, verse 13 says that becoming a child of God is not something that we can do or we're naturally born into. Now, even the Jews during this time, sorry, they had confrontation with Jesus because he pointed out that they were not doing the will of God because they were not showing love to others, but instead judgment. Now, their lineage did not make them true children of God. And this is a huge issue, especially when you're talking about uh, people of the Jewish background and faith. Especially in that time, being a child of God means you were born under the seed of Abraham. Physical seed of Abraham. Being a true child of God means you were reborn from the seed, which is Jesus, the seed that was promised to Abraham. So they, they kind of misinterpret it to be a physical thing, a physical ethnic thing, rather than a spiritual thing. And uh, and, and the Pharisees did this a lot. We'll see later on how, um, when we talk about Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, things go from mistaken for physical instead of spiritual. But uh, I don't want to jump the gun too quick, so... But their lineage did not make them true children of God. It, <clears throat> it does not come from man or a husband with a bride. So uh, it does not come from just wanting it. it. It is through those who believe in the name of Jesus as the only way to the Father. That's how you become children of God. Wanting something and having faith is not necessarily the same thing. So you can want to be a child of God, like you can want to be it, but that doesn't mean you, you are it. 
So I could want to be the CEO of my company that I work for. Doesn't mean I am that. Um, I could want to be a black man. I could want to be a very tall man. I could want to be many things. But just because I want to be that doesn't mean I am that. So, uh, but having faith is the thing that brings you into that uh, as far as being a child of God. So being able to become children of God only comes from God. The ability to become children of God comes from God alone. And it is through Christ. It's through Jesus giving himself for us as a sacrifice. So we're going to talk more about that in the next video. We're going to stop here after verse 13. So next time we'll pick up on verse 14. I didn't think we'd get all the way through 18, but I wasn't sure exactly how fast I was going to be going through this. So um, I hope that was helpful. I hope that's beneficial for you. Uh, if you have any questions for me, put them in the comments, uh, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube. I'd be more than happy to try to address those in a separate video. I do like to do Q&A videos. So uh, any type of question you may have regarding the Bible, theology, Christian living, uh, put them in comments, send them to me directly, however you want to communicate. And I will try to take the time to thoroughly research that and then make a separate video for that particular thing. And I'll do my best to give you a uh, as biblical of an answer as I can. So uh, if you do like this video, you know, you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, all those things that uh, you can do to help uh, kind of uh, expose others to the content. My goal is to correctly teach through scripture to the best of my ability uh, to the best resources that I have to me. Uh, I'm not a Greek Hebrew expert. I'm not uh, a doctor in seminary. Haven't gone through all those processes. I do try to study as thoroughly as possible. I try to be as well balanced with my approach to theology. I try not to bring in preconceived notations the best way I can avoid bringing them in. And uh, I may feel that time to time. If you disagree with me, let me know. If I said something wrong, let me know. I'm not afraid of criticism. And uh, I welcome it. I, I want to grow as much as I hope you want to grow. So thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next time. Thank you so much and God bless.